What would it take to arouse your life, to experience more connection, more pleasure, more realness, in and outside of the bedroom? I'm August McLaughlin, and this is Girl Boner Radio. Porn. How do you feel about it? I've heard from folks who love watching porn and feel it really strengthens their lives and relationships, and from people who feel better off without it. Folks who are frustrated by what's portrayed on mainstream porn screens, and those who are irked by the myths surrounding the medium. All of these feelings are valid. If you're under age 30 to 35 or so, there's a good chance you saw porn very early on in your life probably before you learned much at all about sex of any kind anywhere else. Or if, like me, you're beyond your early 30s, you grew up without having access to porn in your pocket before the internet and smartphones, you might recall VHS tapes or little XXX booths hidden by curtains in some video rental stores. A stack of Playboy magazines might have been the most explicit thing you saw. Regardless of your age, do you remember what you felt or thought when you first caught a glimpse of porn? Most porn is designed only as entertainment. Even so, it can influence our ideas around sex, similar to the ways Hollywood beauty standards can shape our views about our own bodies. The two women you're about to hear from have so much to say about all of this, especially the ways sex on the porn screen tends to vary from sex we engage in in our lives and the importance of understanding the differences. If this episode turns you on or gets you thinking or you would like to get turned on and have lots of solo play fun or play with a partner, please head to thepleasurechest.com to explore the latest and greatest in sex toys and more pleasure products. Vibrators, dildos, anal toys, lube, they have it all. So I started by asking our guests how they typically introduce themselves. I'm Angie Roundtree. I'm a director and founder of shush.com, and that's about it. (laughs) June Ann's approach to self-introduction varies a bit. If we're talking in the porn world or in the adult world, it's definitely going to be, I'm a performer. I've been in the industry for well over a decade almost coming up on two decades now. When she isn't talking to folks in the industry or isn't sure how they might react to her adult film work, June said they get the whole PhD spiel. Well, I have my PhD in immunology and I'm currently focusing in viral immunology and, you know. She's going to save us. Thank goodness. Somebody (laughs) needs to. (laughs) Angie's company, shush.com, is a female-led and female-focused source for ethically produced explicit and sex-positive films. They focus on creating feminist porn for women and couples and offer the tagline, We're Porn Reimagined. Angie told me her husband Colin started Wasteland.com in the mid-1990s. Wasteland is a BDSM site and one of the oldest adult sites on the web. Angie was helping him with his business, and they were going to trade shows, where she noticed that all of the content was geared toward men. 
The films depicted cis male pleasure and male fantasies, she said, but nothing for women and femmes. And so I started to ask around. I started with the women in the office. And I said, you know, what do you think if we did this? And they all thought it was a really, really great idea. And so then the following trade show, I started to ask Collins business associates. I was like, you know, I'm thinking of doing this. What do you think of this? And I got this big spiel about women aren't going to pay for porn and they're certainly not visual. So they all kind of thought that I was wasting my time and I didn't believe them. So, and I wanted to change that. I wanted to create a space where I could express myself and make cinematic erotic films with storylines propelled by a different type of imagery and aesthetic than what I was seeing on the market. And that's how Shush was born, although I had no idea what women wanted to see anymore. <laughs> you know, I mean, I just, I just really didn't because I didn't want Shush to be about me and what I liked or didn't like. I wanted it to be about what women wanted to see or were interested in seeing. So that's how, that's when we kind of, that's when we started our survey. Which is a really smart thing to do to actually ask people because you know you, you know, I mean, women are very diverse as well. And it always cracks me up in a, I get a little irritated way when I hear the whole women aren't as visual thing. (laughs) How do you react to that, June, as somebody who performs Especially as someone who, you know, I also do a bunch of content creation, definitely not to the scale that Angie does, but you know, for your own, like OnlyFans and your own content. And I do try to push more of the artistic content and it does get not frustrating, but it is, it's really interesting to observe that whole like strive for the balance of giving men what they want but that's not necessarily your aesthetic and you don't want to cheapen your aesthetic or what your vision is for your own brand. Cause I see my own brand as my own actual sexuality. So I want to give people a, like an authentic glimpse at what my sexuality is, not what I think they want. At that point, Angie had a question, one I appreciate so much. So do you think that men they just don't know that there's anything else out there and all they see is what's on the tube sites. So they just, they just don't know. I do because I do find that I, I have a lot of people that find me through some of the more visual platforms like Instagram and they do, those followers seem to love any kind of artistic content. They actually find me to be very diverse because I do make content that is a little more you know thought provoking (laughs) or not like thought provoking but just you know I I put some thought into the set design and the visuals and the lights and not necessarily it's not just a close-up of a of a spread right yeah and that's a really good point and a great question Angie because I really do think that so much of what we are drawn to is what we have been culturally guided to think is acceptable for us, right? Right. And, and I don't think it's just a male issue. I think it's everybody. I think that this is what people think porn is. Men and women, they don't, they don't realize that there's an alternative out there. Not that there's anything wrong with enjoying the kind of porn you find on tube sites, as Angie pointed out. 
it's just important to expand our views and know that other options exist. This isn't a good porn, bad porn scenario. I don't ever want to say, watch my porn because it's the only good porn there is. If you're going to embrace women's sexuality, you need to say, find what does it for you and embrace that and watch that. And that might not be my stuff. And that's okay too. So it's all about different markets and different visions. Regardless of the type of porn you watch, it's important to keep in mind that sex portrayed in porn tends to be pretty different from the sex you might have with a partner. Sure, there may be some similarities and you might get some ideas, but most porn is not intended to be educational in any way. It just happens to be what more people have access to than, say, comprehensive sex ed. When I asked Angie what some of the main differences between sex on the porn screen and sex in real life are, she had to take a moment to think. There's a lot of them. (laughs) So let's see here. The biggest difference between a lot of mainstream porn and real life sex is that so much porn sex lacks true intimacy. There's not a lot of laughter. There's no eye contact. There's well, minimal, uh, meaningful eye contact. How about that? Seduction, foreplay. Once the lead up to the sex is over, it's basically straight to what feels very formulaic. There's no flow to it. There's nothing natural. What Angie shared made me think of a shush film I watched in preparation for this episode. It's called Gone, and it centers on a woman who's missing her partner, and we don't realize why until the end. One of my favorite scenes involves no sex at all, or at least not what most people consider sex. We see the couple laughing and cuddling, sort of teasing each other in bed. They're both wearing pajamas, there's nothing glam about it, but it feels so intimate. And it gives us time to feel compelled by the story and drawn into the relationship so that the spicier parts take us a bit by surprise, rather than feeling predictable or cliché. Mainstream porn also varies from in-real-life sex in the, shall we say, ambiance department. Lighting, I find, is very stark. There's no mood lighting. Everything is, like, brightly lit because they need to see everything. The perceived need to see certain things on the screen can also stand in the way of our pleasure. If you were to try to replicate it exactly, you can't really stimulate an external clip, for example— and show the full anatomy on the screen at the same time because it would be covered up for the most part. And you certainly can't show an up-close anatomical shot of, say, a G-spot orgasm. These are some of the reasons orgasms for people with vulvas on the screen can vary a lot from those in your bedroom. And Angie has opinions about this. A woman's orgasm is always depicted through penetration and never through clitoral stimulation. And that really, really irks me. As Angie and I were talking about this, I could tell that June's wheels were turning. So I asked her, and she said yes. She had a lot to say about on-screen versus off-screen orgasms based on her personal and professional experience. I was extremely sexually active in my 20s, on-screen and off-screen. It was definitely more of a quantity I just wanted to experience everything. I thought if I experienced a lot, I would eventually get to the quality. I just had kind of really 
no clue. You know, I was a porn educated, sexually interested woman. And so then I get into my thirties. And so basically every time I had sex, if I came, it was because I was stimulating my clit and that was the only time I came. And when it was in porn, it was basically whenever my clit was stimulated. I had never had a G-spot orgasm, no internal orgasm, nothing. And so then it gets to my 30s. I start dating people and I find a partner that I felt open to communicate with, which is crazy. I always considered myself extremely open. I'll talk about anything. Like I didn't take a step back to really open up about the simple things. And I told him I had never had an orgasm and we completely slowed down in the bedroom. And I had my first internal orgasm at the age of 31, which I find, I don't know. I just find I'm, I'm thankful that I finally did it, but I just find it kind of crazy. And it kind of shifted my perspective of almost performing in porn too, because I really, you know, saw firsthand how much a connection and intimacy was important. I didn't even realize it. I don't know if I didn't want to believe that or, you know, because I was the hard and tough girl. I don't know. But I'm thankful that I finally came around and put all that together. June brought up so many important points there. Deeper emotional intimacy and slowing down can bring more pleasure no matter our gender or genitalia. Yet, Where do we learn that? If, as she put it, you're porn educated, it might take some time and experience to figure that out. I also love that we can continually discover things about our bodies, sexuality, and what feels good sexually throughout our entire lives. Everything June shared really highlighted the lack of helpful sex ed in our culture and many cultures. I asked Angie if she thinks that even though porn isn't designed to educate, whether it can help us learn in some ways. I think it's a great way to spice up a relationship. I think you can learn from porn. I I say that ever so trepidatiously. If done going into it with your eyes wide open, like realize that the performers that you see on the screen, they're professionals, they're athletes. You know, they, they know what they're doing. They can do it easily. I know if I tried some of the stuff June does, I would probably break my back or, oh my gosh, it would just be horrible. Those are really important points. If you enjoy porn and want to use it to enhance your sex life, awareness seems huge. Speaking of awareness, if only we could all see what happens before the cameras roll on porn sets. One of my big concerns that we don't see on the tube sites is what about consent and communication and acceptance? All those things are really important. And I know on our sets and or wastelands, even my husband's BDSM, there's a lot of communication and consent and talking and negotiation that happens, but we don't see that as a consumer or as a viewer watching the tube sites. You don't see what June or any number of the other couples that work for Colin, you don't see what goes on beforehand. How do we show that to the people that are going to the tube sites that are watching this? How do we let them know that all of this is being pre-negotiated? Even if it's vanilla sex, it's still pre-negotiated. 
how do we show people what happens before the before the cameras start rolling? I mean, porn is entertainment. It is not education. Even though you can learn something from it or you can spice up your, your sex life, the bottom line is it's fantasy. And, and I don't know how we divide that, how we get people to realize that what they're seeing is like watching Lord of the Rings or Star Trek or... You know, it is a fantasy and it's, it's there to, to feed you and inspire you, <laughs> but you know. I do know. And I think one way to expand that understanding is by having these conversations. I so appreciate that people like Angie and Junan speak openly about these topics. Of course, it would be awesome if education around porn came up in early sex ed classes too. I can dream. The pre-sex negotiation piece Angie brought up made me think of a story you may have heard me share before if you've been listening for a while. A listener wrote in sharing that he and his partner had been doing a lot of anal sex because it was really prevalent in the porn they had been watching. They were pretty young and each other's first partners, and they both assumed, without articulating any of it out loud, let's do what we've seen in these videos. As it turned out, neither one of them was interested in anal or really enjoying it that much. They were each only doing it because they thought the other partner wanted it. Obviously, that could have turned out to be a more challenging or even painful experience. Thankfully, they managed okay and were able to talk and even laugh about it before too long. Communicating about the sex we are about to have can be so, so important, as well as hot. So June, Angie, and their team at Shush recently created a film called Mirror Game that sounds fascinating, and I think it really illustrates their artistic and creative approach. If someone walked in during this next part of our conversation, they might think we were discussing a horror film or psych thriller. Mirror Game is the story of a book. Uh, the book is the protagonist, and it travels through time affecting people. So what it does is it brings out the parts of your personality that you've suppressed. So if you're usually um, a very submissive people pleaser, you all of a sudden become very aggressive. I mean, I'm sure this has happened to everybody too, where you see somebody or you're a part of a conversation and you really want to say something and you don't because you're, you just don't, right? Well, the book, you would say it. So nothing is off limits. It just takes all that stuff that you've suppressed, all the parts of your personality that you're working on, good, bad, ugly, doesn't matter, brings it forward and boom, you've got a new person, interesting person. A conflicted, a conflicted demonic person. <laughs> See, I love that there's like this, again, suspense in these stories. Like, I, I'm like, what is going to happen? That's really interesting. And obviously you said June did a wonderful job and you're very familiar with her work. What is it about June that felt like such a good fit for this role? She's a great, great actress. Just incredible. And we needed an actress that had a lot of depth and could pull this role off because it's a tough role to play. First, you're working with somebody who's not you and you're developing that character. On top of that, you're then developing a secondary character. 
and the two of them are battling inside of you, that's a tough role to play. To me, that's a huge challenge to make two completely different women visually have the viewers see the internal battle that they're both going through and you're rooting for them, you know, and you're wondering what's going to happen. What's, I'm not going to tell you the ending because the ending is it's not what people are going to assume it's going to be because they think, oh, this is a shush production. We know how this is going to end. They're wrong. <laughs> they are so wrong. <laughs> she did just an incredible job. Mm. It was, it was really amazing. And she, there was a couple of times she scared me. <laughs> you did a great job, honey. I, I mean, I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't say anything more than that was a tough role that was handed to you. Most people have to develop one character. You had to develop two, you know, you had to show an internal struggle between the two characters. That's not easy. Mm. You did a great job, Jude. I mean, it just, Thanks. yeah. If, 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 if I stroke your ego anymore, you're not going to get that. <laughs> you're not going to be able to leave your apartment. Your head's going to be doing <laughs> It's so nice to get that encouraging feedback too, I'm sure. June, yeah. could you tell us a bit about your process? Maybe how you approach these characters, what you loved about them, maybe what was, was challenging? It's interesting because you get the script and when you read it, it's very, for me, it's very flat, right? It's just, it doesn't come alive yet, you know, but then when you actually get to set and you start working with it, it's not overwhelming, but it, it you know, it hits you. It's just, it's fine. It, like it finally embodies you. I did work with, uh, I, I have a dear friend from my past that helped me a little with character development and working with the script and everything. And he really just had me focus on, you know, each scene you go into, just focus on what got the character there. What's the motivation? Because if you know what got him there, you'll know what to do there. He's like, you know how to react you know you know how your character is you know how that character will react so just think about that so i kind of just focused on that little thing for each scene we we filmed and it was kind of you know because you don't film everything in chronological you know the way they get edited together and i get very i'm very emotionally charged in very different ways in the scenes so it was kind of an emotional ping pong. And I probably <laughs> like, I was having the time of my life inside cause I'm a Gemini. So for me, this was like the role I was meant to play. To learn more about Mirror Game, scroll down in the show notes. Angie, Shush, and their other performers really seem to approach adult films in ways similar to mainstream movies. I felt a bit like I was back in my acting days hearing them talk about the script and June's process. But there are some notable differences, and not just in terms of smoldering sex scenes. There are also the not-so-sexy parts of the business. You know, when they say in Hollywood that it was filmed on a shoestring budget, we don't even have a fiber from a shoestring budget. <laughs> we <it was> just... <laughs> We, we don't, we don't, we, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's tough being, being an adult filmmaker 
We're discriminated against when it comes to locations. People don't want their businesses, property, or brands associated with adult films. We're a really tiny production company, which June can attest to. So we have to wear many hats. Well, we are. We don't have a lot of people. We're not, you know, big, huge production crew. We're, we're a little bit. So we have to wear a lot of hats and be skilled in a lot of different areas of filmmaking. I may, might be the director, but I've also operated the audio boom, the cameras, script supervisor, art designer, prop department, that's all me, <laughs> assistant editor. <laughs> it's amazing when you, when you bring sex as a focus. It's very different, but similar in podcasting or writing about sex, which are the things I do. There are just so many more barriers that people don't realize that they have to go through and getting funding is so much harder. You do, you wear so it many is. hats and then you get kicked out of places and you get shadow banned and like yeah. things that a lot of people don't think about. Exactly. But the upside to it, because I always try to look at the upside of everything is it forces us to be creative and to think outside the box and to make the most of the resources that we, that we have. I really respect all of that, the challenges, and the determination to carry on and thrive as best they can. June sees a lot of hypocrisy in the ways porn productions and sex work are treated too. As a performer and content creator, she really sees how deep the obstacles with being in a sex-related business go. It's just such like a detriment to interpersonal dynamics and communication because Everybody talks about this holistic life experience, right? But yet that holistic life experience is not supposed to have sex in it. That's supposed to be completely compartmentalized outside of everything. And I just don't see, like, I can be smart. I can be sexy. I can cook. I can design vaccines. I can have orgasms. We can do it all. I love that so much. I also appreciate this wisdom for anyone who uses porn from Angie. I think they should pay for it. There is no such thing as free porn. You know, June's not going to work for free. My editor's not going to work for free. My DP's not going to work for free. There is no such thing as free porn. Somebody has paid all these people. And when that content is stolen and put up on a tube site for free, that really hurts the producers. And it's, it's a dribble down effect. If, if all our content is stolen and we're not making money, then production houses can't pay as much, you know, because all their stuff is being stolen. It's just this vicious circle. Because Shush is a streaming platform, they haven't had to deal with the amount of pirating problems Wasteland and other studios face. But Angie still stands strongly by that principle. For June, well, she's basically had to embrace radical acceptance. I don't create anything that I don't expect to be pirated. <laughs> I hate to say it, but just like, you know, even doing adult entertainment, don't do it if you're worried about anyone find, you know, because mm, that one yeah. person you're worried about will find it. <laughs> yes. It'll be the yeah. first person that finds it. Murphy's law will work against you. I promise. So it's just kind of the same thing. At the end of the day, June said, she and many performers create so much content that stealing of content is unfortunately bound to happen. She called it part of the beast. 
and said she just has to hope that it helps with marketing. She'll sometimes include tags or links to her website in strategic ways so that future paying customers can find the rest of her work. But that's as me as a content creator working on, you know, like sites like OnlyFans and Is My Girl. It's a completely different thing when it comes to studio work. So I would say to people, like when you do look at the free sites and you find that one performer you like, go to her site, like her stuff, follow her social media, get her premium content. Or when you do find a studio that you really like, like shush.com, go to their site, support them. Just like you would, you know, your favorite musician, support your favorite porn star, support your favorite porn studio, because that's how you're going to keep that content going. If you really like that person or that studio's content, that's the way you're going to keep seeing it is if you support them. Because I, you know, I've been around the industry for, you know, almost two decades now. And I do know people from early in my career that are no longer in the industry because the performer pay tank, because the studios couldn't pay the performers as well anymore. Before I asked Angie and June for their top sexual empowerment advice for you all, I asked them to share where we can learn more about them and explore their work. I'll go, well, I'll go first. I'm short and easy. There are two very true facts. So you can basically find all my links at jadextraextra.com. There you can find my OnlyFans and my Pornhub and all of my premium links and all my social media links. You can see my work, June's work, and Mirror Game at shush.com. That's S-S-S-H.com. Mirror Game will not be released until mid-September. So, but lots of other movies there and lots of June. If you prefer June doing BDSM, you can go to wasteland.com. Spelled exactly the way it sounds. I loved what June wanted you all to hear about cultivating positive body image. Never let your body image keep you or hold you back from anything. I can tell you that I have filmed porn 40 pounds heavier than I am now and 20 pounds lighter than I am now. And it's all beautiful. Roles are gorgeous. It's all natural. And love yourself. Angie's words of wisdom really apply to any and all life areas. Do what you're passionate about. Do what you believe in. Don't let anybody ever discourage you from doing or realizing your vision and following your heart. Just do it. Embrace your body and do what you believe in. Yes and yes. Find direct links to June Ann and Angie Roundtree's work down in the show notes. Now I'm so pleased to welcome Dr. Megan Fleming, our resident sex and relationships therapist, back for this week's listener question. It came from Brandy who wrote this. My boyfriend is convinced that his penis is small, it's not, and he wants to do this penis pump thing for it to be bigger. He brought it up since finding out that some of the porn I was watching is the big dick kind. I told him that's different from wanting his body to change. I think he's great the way he is, and regardless, I'm not sure if those pumps are even safe. What are your thoughts? 
Brandy, thank you so much for writing in and for your compassion for wanting your boyfriend to be safe and for appreciating his body just the way it is. Here's what Dr. Megan of GreatLifeGreatSex.com had to say. First thing I want to say is that I am thrilled to be back. I've missed you, August, and the Girl Boner community. That being said, you know, I'm all about practicing what I preach. And so for August, I prioritize pleasure and really had an amazing time sort of despite these challenging times with my family. And so I'm refreshed and renewed and thrilled to be back and excited to start answering your questions. So let's start with Brandy's question. It's great, Brandy, that you're letting your boyfriend know that even though he saw you watching porn and part of the porn that you like or turn on might be big dicks or penises, that that is not your only turn on. You have a repertoire. And most importantly, you're satisfied, really enjoying all the ways, right, that your partner can please you. And I always say to men, because this comes up equally with somebody maybe having difficulty maintaining erections or timing of their orgasm, it's always to remember you have your hands, you have your mouth, so many ways to give our partners pleasure. So that being said, penis pumps, or they're really designed as vacuum devices for erectile dysfunction, because what they do is basically your partner would place this plastic tube that fits over his penis, and then basically it's a pump. It could be a hand pump or it could be battery operated, and basically it's increasing blood flow. So it's going to really give him a firm, maybe firmer than his penis would be. So he might get slightly a sense of more girth or a little bit in terms of length. But ultimately, it's just making as full as an erection as it can be. And then at the base, they put on a constrictive device or, it's, you know, what we refer to as a cock ring. So some tips I would just recommend to make this a less uncomfortable or painful experience is to definitely shave in this something you could do together um, and make it sort of sexy fun. But shaving his pubes, which also can interestingly add a little bit of length visually because you don't want the ring to get caught on those pubes. That would be a little uncomfortable. And the other thing I would definitely recommend is using a lubricant, both in the shaft and base of his penis, as well as on the edge of the pump, so that you're going to get basically an airtight seal. And the lubricant is definitely going to come in handy to take that ring on and off in a way that would be less uncomfortable, because it'll have a little bit of slide to it. Again, the only risks that are you know, really known in terms of these pumps is that if your boyfriend, for whatever reason, might be on a blood thinning medication, it would be contraindicated and or sickle cell or any kind of blood disorder because we'd be concerned if anybody has susceptibility to blood clots or bleeding. So other thing is that you don't leave the constrictive device on for more than 30 minutes. Outside of that, it's really just sort of getting a hand for it because initially there might be a little bruising or discomfort, but that ultimately... Again, it, it might just increase his sensation if it feels fuller and a little bit firmer. That being said, if he doesn't have erectile dysfunction, it might be sort of an additional hassle or pain. And again, you don't even need to use the pump to enjoy the use of, say, a cock ring or constriction device. As everything is in the bedroom, in my mind, is about exploring, playing, trying new things on and adding sort of more tools to our toolbox or adding more things to our erotic menu. So as always, speak to your boyfriend and would love to hear how it goes. Thanks so much, Dr. Megan. That was all really interesting to learn about. Brandy, I think if your beau really wants to go with the penis pump or something a bit simpler like a cock ring, you can really support him with those steps Dr. Megan mentioned. I also think having more conversations about any insecurities he might have could be helpful. I love that you're talking about these issues. You could also try a fun toy called a penis sleeve, which adds some girth and length as well. And for sure, for sure, pleasure comes pun embraced in all sizes. 
If you have a question for me or for Dr. Megan, please reach out to us. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate a rating and review. This episode was hosted and produced by me, August McLaughlin, with audio management by Mackenzie Mazel, the founder and organizer of the Period Podcast Network. KM Huber provided transcript support. Thanks so much for listening and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.